You're listening to the Biz Library Podcast, a weekly discussion of important topics that affect both HR and learning and development professionals. Biz Library is dedicated to creating the best and most complete online learning solution that both engages employees and drives business results. For more resources like this podcast, be sure to head over to our website where you'll find up-to-date ebooks, infographics, and other resources, as well as SHRM and HRCI-approved webinars focused on creating better workplaces through great human resource practices and employee development. Hello and welcome to the Biz Library Podcast. I'm your host, Derek Smith. And I'm Hannah Brenner. Today, we're joined by Tom Branning to talk about choosing an LMS. Tom, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Really excited to be here with you. Absolutely. Um, Just so some of our listeners get a better idea of who Tom is, uh, Tom is the channel sales manager here at Biz Library, which means he works to create and maintain strategic partnerships. He has a passion for education, technology, and organizational effectiveness, with a strong desire to ensure that Biz Library partners and their teams have all the tools and knowledge at their disposal to be successful. Prior to working as a channel sales manager, Tom spent 14 years in various roles on the Biz Library sales team, where he worked with prospects and customers to identify the alignment and fit of Biz Library's solution and helped onboard and coach Biz Library team members. Tom, thank you for taking time out of your busy day to join us. We're really glad you're here. Yeah, oh, thank you guys. Uh, topic today is choosing an LMS, um, sort of maybe a buyer's guide for people in the market for a new LMS. Um, Tom, you've been in this industry for a while, 14 years here at Biz Library alone. Um, what are some things you're seeing LMS companies do for the first time? What are some changes in the industries that you're seeing and think that are going to change the way we do things? Uh, you, you know, actually, it's a, it's a really exciting time in ed tech right now. I think generally across the board, there's a, there's a lot of disruption going on in the industry, a lot of startups doing things differently. You know, I think technology has come to a point now where we're able to um, really design better at a consumer grade level and uh, design um, programs are much easier to use. You know, applications, the LMS used to be this, you know, behemoth uh, place that you go to with, with all kinds of, you know, buttons and places to go. And I think, you know, over the last 10 years, people have slowly been trying to pull that um, uh, into more of a, you know, performance support, real-time type of uh, system. And something that's a little bit more invisible behind the scenes, but there are a lot of companies doing some really cool stuff right now. Uh, in the uh, in the industry, and it's um, definitely a lot of disruption going on. For sure. So, really, today we want to target talking to those who maybe have never purchased an LMS before, and for those who are a little bit behind the times. Um, why would a company? Let's start there. Why would you need an LMS? Why would you want to go purchase an LMS? Um, what should be that trigger for your organization to realize, hey, this is something we need? So I think you know a lot of people um, nowadays, you know, especially in learning and development, human resources, you know, the LMS and, and e-learning has kind of been synonymous as a as a tool that you use, and um, you know, I, I think. Um, you know, one of the ways that people tend to fall into habits of, you know, if you have something that uh, looks like a hammer, you try to use it to hit nails. And so um, a lot of times, you know, people really start to look right towards the LMS when they think about ways that they want to deliver um, training. And, you know, I think first and foremost, sometimes the right thing to ask is, is this the right form? Is this the right format? Is this the right tool um, to, uh, to, to, to use? to be able to meet the needs. And I think at first you have to really take a, a look at a higher level at some of the goals, um, business challenges, some of the focus that you have, the results that you're looking to get from a program, um, really to even figure out if that's the right platform to begin with. But I think a lot of people do tend to gravitate towards learning management systems. You know, when they're dealing with issues such as uh, dis- 
dispersed workforce, people spread out amongst you know, a wide geographical area, dealing with complex workflows uh, within the way that they assign and track training or even within things like approval processes. And so, you know, I think a lot of times, you know, people start to look at a, a, a learning management system when they realize that they've grown to a point that they lack the ability to manage those types of processes on their own without some sort of tools to create efficiencies. Let's say you're selling an LMS or you're working in sales once again, uh, and a prospect comes to you and wants to, wants to know more information on an LMS. What are some of those warning signs that maybe an LMS isn't the best solution for that company? Sure. You know, I think uh, I think that's a, a good question. I've had, um, you know, I think when you look at the function of what a learning management system can can bring you, it, it, again, you know, managing complex workflows, having visibility to analytics, um, the ability to distribute, you know, content um, or resources, you know, in a wide uh, to a wide dispersed workforce. I mean, first of all, if you're not dealing with those things, it's probably not the tool that you need to have. You know, I've worked with some small organizations in the past that thought that was the right tool, but found that you know, since everybody's in one room, that's maybe not necessarily needed. And so, um, you know, sometimes also it might be you know based on the results you're looking and get. So again, if if analytics aren't important to you and and or you're not managing you know a, a larger library of content, you might be able to accomplish it with something as simple as an email and a video. So when a company does decide, yes, they have that need, maybe they have the dispersed workforce, they are needing to manage a lot of content. What are some of those items that you definitely want to have in an LMS that, you know, you mentioned there's a lot of startups, there's a lot of different companies out there. So what are those key things that for sure you definitely need before we get to the bells and whistles? Sure. Well, you know, I think um, I'm going to say that the uh, first thing an organization needs to really do is is understand, you know, what they're um, really what their workflow is, what their results are looking for are, you know, what they're trying to accomplish. You know, for instance, I, I think a general function of an LMS is, is always going to be, you know, providing, again, distributed access, um, analytics. And so, you know, if people are looking for, for those things, I think that's common. You should see that across the board in any type of system. If you don't, you know, have those abilities, I'd, I'd really hedge on calling it a learning management system. But, you know, I think also taking a look when I say kind of the, the user experience or, or the workflow that you're dealing with, you know, different industries deal with different aspects of compliance or different challenges that might mean one system can be a better fit for somebody than another. Um, you know, for instance, you know, how important is it for um, people to be able to lock down as to where they can be training geographically? You know, I work with some partners who, you know, might have a system that, you know, through ge geotagging can allow somebody to only train in a certain location so that can limit, for instance, retail environments from having to pay people for training at home. So it really depends a lot on your industry, on um, you know, what you're trying to accomplish, and some of the things that you know, are, are risks or compliance areas that are, that are important to, to your organization and the industry. So we um, <clears throat> sort of talked about identifying some, some needs, um, sort of evaluating your own organization. How about evaluating different companies that maybe um, you think could possibly fit your needs? What are some good, some good strategies to use to sort of vet different companies for, for the solution that they provide? Yeah, I, I think that's a, a great question. I've seen, you know, a pretty wide gamut of, of types of evaluations from somebody, you know, taking five minutes to look at something and say, yeah, that's cool, let's do it, to, you know, spending, you know, months to years going through very um, formal, um, you know, requirements testing. And so I think one of the traps that's really easy for organizations to fall into is to go online, 
find an RFP template that um, you know has a listing of all the features and bells and whistles that are available in the market. And you know, I, I think it's really important for everybody to you know make sure that the things that they're asking for and seeking are really relevant to what they're trying to accomplish. You know, if you send out a uh, you know requirements document with you know 500 different things that are important to you they should really be important to you if that's part of your evaluation. And I have found in the past people using um, you know, generic RFP templates, things like that, where they actually you know, are asking for things that at the end of the day aren't actually important for them um, or to them. So you need to make a list of things that are important to you. Uh, not necessarily everything on a list, like you said, should be important, nor um, will you utilize it. But who else should be involved in this process than you know, me as a learning manager, who do I involve to make sure all the correct people are in the room making this decision? Yeah, that, that's a great question. I think that um, you know, within an organization, it's always important to take a look at how different departments' needs will um, be met by a system or not met by a system. I think you should have stakeholders, you know, from different uh, functional areas that will be using the system to be able to really you know, reference how this will work for what they're trying to accomplish. Because um, you know, as an L&D manager, you have very specific things you're trying to accomplish. But there may be things that somebody who's managing you know, customer service or sales that has um, you know, some different things that are important to them. So I think involving stakeholders across the organization, um, as well as even kind of considering you know, the, the end user experience, I think having some end users be able to experience some of the different options and provide feedback is really valuable, uh, as well as um, you know, having administrators take a look at the administrative side of the system. Sorry, um, system. Is it? Do you think it's important then to have sort of a trial access to um, a learning management system, or do you think that you can sort of get the gist of, of, of you know stakeholder use, end user use, analytics, all that? Do you think you can sort of get the gist of that from maybe a demo or some other materials like that? You know, I think if you, I definitely think people should be demoing the system. I think that there should be time uh, to be able to really see how it maps to your workflows, what sort of, you know, what the user experience is like compared to, you know, um, what your expectations are. Uh, I think, you know, anything that you don't, um, anything that you expect, you should inspect. What are some good questions you think people should ask? What are some things that, um, people might not anticipate that are common issues, especially maybe around a launch of a new LMS, that uh, you would give advice to sort of anticipate or be looking on the lookout for? That's, um, that's a good question. I'll try not to say that every single time. <laughs> um, so, you know, going back to what the needs are, of course, there can be a variety of different things that, you know, are part of an implementation. But, you know, I mean, here at Biz Library, we do a lot of work with content. And we work with a lot of learning management systems. Um, you know, we have a platform people can access content from here, uh, as well as partner with other organizations. And in my work, partnering with those organizations, you know, I find that um, that is one of the areas that can sometimes be um, something that you need to really figure out. You know, when you're when you're trying to accomplish something with a system like this, if you have the system and it's empty, it's just a shell, and you're not really able to meet a lot of needs. If your plan is to develop custom training, well, you need to know that there's going to be some le uh, leadway there, some some headway where you're going to need to take. You know, could potentially take several months to develop the content that you're using. At the same time, you know, if off-the-shelf content can help you meet those needs faster, I think it's really important to make sure you understand how that content integrates into the LMS that you're selecting or choosing. Um, <clears throat> the LMS that you're uh, considering. And so, you know, 
some of the work that I do with people, for instance, is helping to ensure that you know there's a smooth integration, a point of integration between our content library and those platforms. And you know, I've also had um, heard horror stories about people showing up with um, you know a uh, uh, bag of content in one hand and learning management system in the other hand, and find out you know too late that there's a very challenging process to load that in, or that there could potentially be um, some issues with compatibility. So as a learning manager begins to evaluate this and start to look at different learning management systems, um, it can be very overwhelming. So for example, um, during this podcast, I just Googled learning management system and got 1,500,000,000 results. So for somebody brand new, that's overwhelming. Where do you even begin? How do you begin you know, finding the different systems and then narrowing them down to begin to start to do these different demo processes. Sure. So, you know, I think first, looking at the industry that you're in, it's great to find out if there are systems, platforms that focus on the industry that you're in. You know, there, there might be some very um, special nuances to your industry or vertical market that, you know, somebody has already developed um, functions and features to help respond to. Um, you know, I think above beyond that, you know, there's a lot of great, um, great thought leadership in the industry, um, whether it comes from somebody like a, a Gartner or a Burson and Associates. Um, sorry, I'm gonna have to take a step back and say, or a Deloitte by Burson. Um, there are a lot of great third-party analysts out there that do some of the legwork, and you know, there are you know top lists, um, grids different things that really speak to, you know, the um, quality of certain systems. Uh, to your point, you know, I, I'm aware of at least 700 LMSs um, that are out in the marketplace right now. And if you start to add in things like learning experience platforms, um, adaptive learning platforms, you know, it really expands a lot beyond that. And so I think it's really important to, um, to leverage the experience of people in the industry talk to people you know that are in your position that have used some of these systems to really get some feedback on how it works for those folks. And especially if you have contacts within your industry that you can talk to that might be using different systems, get some feedback from them on how those uh, platforms work in their case. I think sort of what I'm hearing is that it's almost like almost every other industry that the more you know, the better equipped you are to make a smart decision when you ultimately do choose an LMS. Um, an LMS, though, is a big investment. Right, especially for larger organizations, and it's a recurring annual fee. Sometimes, um, we should be, have certain expectations out of our vendors. Then, what do you think, um, sort of a bare minimum expectations are for a modern LMS um, system to be able to provide a user? Like what what should we expect reasonably, and not expect maybe? Sure, you mean from the from the provider? Yeah, yeah. You know, I think that um, being able to you know, have an organization that's really going to take the time to get to know you, to make sure and ask the questions about what you're trying to accomplish, and really hold your hand through the process as much as you're willing to let them. And I would be willing to let them hold my hand pretty much through that process because, you know, they've done it before. Um, you don't have to, you know, implement a vacuum 
leverage the experts and um, you know, I think they should be providing you know, implementation services, support on helping make sure that you're targeting you know, strategies to meet the goals that brought you to them in the first place, uh, as well as you know, just providing a, a level of support, you know, whether it's for administrators who are trying to do things or for end users who are trying to access. You know, having support available is, is you know, at least a minimum requirement uh, for, for just about any platform out there, I think. Yeah, and so a lot of times support can be that major differentiator, and I don't think people always spend enough time talking about that on the front end. So what are some good questions that somebody could ask to make sure they truly are going to receive that support on the back end um, ongoing throughout the relationship as well? Yeah, you know, I think that, you know, if you're going to be um, investing with an organization and you're, you know, kind of to that point where you just need a little comfort around the support, you know, that an organization should be able to provide you with an outline of the type of support they provide. They should be able to um, provide you with, you know, specific instances of, you know, how they helped other people in your organization, uh, in, you know, either your industry or just similar businesses. But I think that, you know, asking them to, you know, help you understand how they work with clients, you know, for instance, you know, what does implementation look like? Who is involved in that process? You know, what does my support team look like there? You know, do I have a dedicated person? Do I not have a dedicated person? Is it round robin into a tech support line? You know, who are the key stakeholders on the vendor side that are going to ensure the success of my program? Absolutely. Um, unfortunately, we're kind of running short on time here, though. I do want to ask before we let you get back to work, Tom, um, what are some things that we maybe missed on that you think are really important for consumers to know about the various vendors out there, the over 700 LMS vendors that you're aware of? Sure. You know, like I said at the beginning, I think this is a, a really exciting time right now in, in, in ed tech, and, and generally speaking, it can be a very confusing time. Aside from seeing 700 LMSs, their learning experience platforms, their adaptive learning platforms, and, and everybody's really trying to you know create more efficient ways to deliver training in a more seamless manner. And so I think you know taking the time to really um, understand the difference between some of those different types of platforms, you know, what your goal is and how they can maybe help you meet your goal better. You know, for instance, if, um, uh, if you are, um, you know, looking to deliver a large library of content, you know, you need to make sure that you have things such as, you know, metadata, the ability to, you know, filter things, the ability to, um, you know, really easily provide search and learn functionality. You know, I think um, having you know, at the end of the day, just making sure that, you know, you are taking into consideration the outcomes that you're looking to provide your audience. Even things such as, you know, administrative capabilities, you know, a lot of folks do um, spend a, a lot of time evaluating administrative functionality. I think it's important to make sure that that is, you know, something that um, is usable for you. At the same time, I think it's important to evaluate who your administrator is going to be and the fact that, you know, do you have somebody with the right skills to be able to manage this? Um, but as much time as folks spend on the administrative side, you know, I urge them to spend um, twice as much on the end user experience. And I think that's really, at the end of the day, the most important piece because, you know, we buy these systems to meet needs. And I've worked with a lot of organizations that, you know, have purchased learning management systems that may have, um, you know, not done an effective job up front of identifying what those needs were or targeting those needs. Ultimately, before choosing an LMS, how many hours do you think roughly we should evaluate maybe our top three choices before we pick one? What's a reasonable time frame? You know, I urge nobody to 
make a very fast decision. I mean, it's not a weak decision uh, type of thing. You know, I've uh, I think that you know this should be a several month process. You know, maybe two months or three months at the minimum, um, which I, I think is pretty common that we see. Um, that being said, um, you know, I think that you need to make sure that you know you're spending enough time to really qualify the workflows and the processes that you're trying to meet. So you know, one of the things that a lot of um, I would recommend a lot of people do is to make sure that you know they uh, ask very specific questions of the producers around how they would expect to meet X need or or deliver X um, if that's what they're trying to do. Because you know I think it's important to make sure that matches what you're trying to do in your organizational workflow and processes. Um, and uh, you know if you don't take the time to really ensure that somebody can show you what that looks like, what you're trying to accomplish, you know, it might not exist. You know, another, uh, another question that, um, you know, some organizations might look to, you know, there are a lot of organizations now with really um, strong development teams. And so within some organizations, you know, they, they ask the question internally, do we build this or do we buy this? And so I think it's really important while you're evaluating systems to understand the difference between working with a provider and working with an open source platform. And so, you know, there are times where people might be able to use a tool like Moodle, which is, um, you know, open source available free through the um, GNU license. And however, a free software application isn't necessarily a cost-free training program or solution. Um, so you know you need to understand where those sunken costs are. Sometimes you know some organizations do have the internal bandwidth to build a system that might work for them. Um, however, taking into consideration ongoing maintenance updates, providing support, um, you know, build versus buy is, is always a question that organizations with a um, high technical competence have. But I find that it is more often um, uh, results in disappointment when they build it internally than when they partner with a producer. Working with somebody who really has a you know um, uh, a pulse on the industry and is developing their platform um, in a way that is you know trending with where the industry is trending. Uh-huh. You know, using something free and easy is never free. All right. Well, thank you very much for joining us today. We appreciate you sharing your uh, insider expertise on the very complicated but growing. Uh, LMS and and really e-learning industry. Thank you very much. Thanks for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed our discussion with Tom Branding. Here are three takeaways from this week's interview. First, evaluate your RFPs. Make sure that everything you're asking for is something that you absolutely need. Second, involve key stakeholders in your decision-making process. And third, free and easy is rarely free and easy. Sometimes it's best to trust an industry leader rather than build your own LMS. This podcast is brought to you by Biz Library, your online learning partner. For more information, visit us online at www.bizlibrary.com resources. Every week, we like to spotlight one of the free resources Biz Library offers to help our listeners master the concepts and our key takeaways. This week, check out our free ebook called The Focused HR Tech Buyer's Guide. You can find a link to this ebook in the show notes or on the Biz Library website on the resources page. If you'd like to appear on the Biz Library podcast or suggest a topic for discussion, visit us on Twitter at BizLibrary or email us at hannah at bizlibrary.com. Don't forget to click subscribe, leave a rating on iTunes, and share this episode with friends through social media. Thanks for listening, and until next time, I'm Derek Smith. And I'm Hannah Brenner. See you next week.